Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Let's sing and worship together. Would you stand and sing with us? announcements. Operation Christmas Child boxes are available for sale, $2 each. These boxes will last for many years and remind us of the, the recipients of the love of God. If you or a group that you're in would like to sponsor a trunk for our trunk or treat on October 30th, please sign up in the Welcome Center. For all you guys, on Thursday we'll have our next uh, Just for Guys meeting out by the barbecue pit at 6 o'clock. Bring something to cook on the grill. Drinks and sides will be provided. We will be joining other churches in the area on October the 16th with the Helotus House of Neighborly Service on October 16th for a food distribution for the San Antonio Food Bank. We need four volunteers to help with this project from 9 until all the food is given out. 
please let Pastor Jim know that if you would be available to help. Our first load of pumpkins is due to arrive Saturday. Our communion offering next Sunday will be on World Communion Sunday, and the funds will go for United Methodist Student Scholarships. And now I believe Carl has an announcement. Roy mentioned the shoe boxes available for sale for $2 uh, suggested, but I've also brought some cardboard shoe boxes that have been discounted to zero. <laughs> so, your choice, the plastic or the cardboard, I've got them back there. I've also put back there these brochures that it's real good to have if you're going to pack a box. It tells you uh, information like what to put in it, what not to put in it. It's got a donation. They like to get $9 for processing, I guess, per box. And they've got an envelope here that you can fill out the information. And they've changed it this year. Um, rather than putting it in the box, they, the envelope they've provided is a no postage necessary self-addressed envelope. So you stick it in the mail. Remember to pray for the children that you're packing the boxes for and, uh, and for their families and for their villages. And some of these kids have never gotten a gift in their life. And they, this, the point isn't the gifts. The point is the love that the gifts show these children and, and the introduction to our Christ, to our Savior. Uh, so uh, we're going to pick up boxes on November 4th. Actually, we're going to put boxes under the cross November 14th to pray over them, and then they'll get delivered to a processing center. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Carl. The lesson this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 16 through 22, found on page 936 in your pew Bible. This is Luke is talking about Jesus. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? The word of God for the people of God. Please join me in prayer. Loving Father, we gather to praise you and offer our thanks. We especially thank you for Jesus who taught us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Remind us often how truly blessed we are through your riches in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are here to proclaim good news, to provide for those in need, and plant.
for tomorrow. Enliven our souls as we hear your word today. Remind us often of the sacrifice of Jesus who died for us. Forgive our foolish ways and fill us with your love. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We have so many things going on in fall. I know we had a million and a half announcements, but I just wanted to put some more reminders out there because you need them, right? <laughs> I know I need them. But um, we are gathering volunteers for our children's ministry, Hill City Kids Alive. There's a sign-up sheet out there. We need our Sunday volunteers to help us provide nursery care and elementary care for our kiddos. We are also looking for volunteers for our trunk or treats. Um, and there is more than just providing trunks for that. If you'd like to help with setup or tear down with decorations, with carnival games, um, and maybe with parking to get cars where they need to go, we're looking for all sorts of volunteers for that. Uh, there's signups back there on October 30th. Uh, we also have more stuff coming up. We have a middle school Sunday school class starting that Pastor Jim and Miss Mary will be running. And I know our middle schoolers are looking forward to that the first week in October, which is next week, right? Oh, my goodness. What happened to January? Um, and then we're going to have a uh, middle school and high school music program start up sometime in October. It's going to be Tuesday evenings. I know I've mentioned it before. We have a name for the program now. It'll be called Anchored. And our goal is to anchor children, anchor youth to their community through music, through, uh, to their church family through that. We're looking for any volunteers who would like to help with that, um, help teach youth music and mentor to them through music. It'll be Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. And if you're interested in helping out, please meet, see me or Steve work in the back there and we'll tell you more about it. Um, and then the very last thing. I promise, is that we have our Hill City Kids Alive uh, creative movement group is meeting at 1215 every Sunday in the fellowship hall, and we're looking for kids from third grade through 12th grade to participate in that, to bring creative movement back into our sanctuary during worship here. So if you know any kiddos who might like to be involved in that, I promise I won't keep them super late. I know it's lunchtime, but uh, I'll bring snacks. I can bring snacks. It can happen. We would love to have them here with us. Um, so with all those announcements over with, I'd like to invite the kiddos forward. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk to you guys today about this really cool guy in the Old Testament. His name's Isaiah. Have you heard that before? No, you haven't? He's got like a really big book in the Old Testament. He's what we call a major prophet, and he's a major prophet because he wrote a big book. I guess he had a lot to say. Um, he is, oh my goodness, he was, um, excuse me. He was a prophet before the Israelites went into captivity in Babylon. And he was a prophet to five different kings in the kingdom of Judea, which is part of the Israelite nation. They kind of split up for a while because they couldn't agree on stuff. But they're part of God's people. And Isaiah, even though we call him a major prophet today and he had so much to say, he's really just like any other prophet. We hear him more and we know of him more because he's quoted often in the New Testament. He's the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. But his message is exactly like every other prophet out there. Do you remember what we've been talking about the prophets over the past month? What have they been talking about? 
you have to get back to God, right? Their message is always the same. They're always like, hey, people, God's people. You're supposed to be God's people, and you're not acting like it right now. You've totally broken all of his rules and all of his covenants. Come back to God, and I promise you life's going to be better, right? Things are going to go better. God put those rules in place to take care of you, and when you break the rules, things don't go your way, right? They all have the same message, and Isaiah was no exception. He had that same message. But what's really cool about Isaiah's message is in there, he talks about the promises of God, right? He ta- and we know God keeps his promises, don't we? Right? The, remi- the rainbow reminds us of that all the time. But he talks about these promises of God, and mainly he talks about what it's going to be like when God's kingdom comes to us. And that's going to come through this guy called the Messiah, So his book is full of these passages of scripture that talk about this guy called the Messiah. Do you have any idea who the Messiah might be? No? He came to earth at one point in time as a little tiny baby. Jesus, that's right, it was Jesus. And the passage we're focusing on today, Isaiah 61, is one that Jesus actually read. This is what's so cool. He actually read it in the synagogue when he started his ministry. We just heard Pastor or Mr. Roy uh, read it. A, a recount of that and uh, from the passage of Luke. Jesus read this passage of scripture in Isaiah 61 to tell the world, I am that person that Isaiah promised. I am that person that was promised to you over and over and over again by the prophets of old to come and to restore the kingdom. And how did, God, or how did Jesus do that? Do you guys remember what he did? He took away our sins, right? He took all of our sins and all the broken pieces of us, and he took them to the cross. And when he did that, he made us new. He took all of those bad things that have ever happened in our lives, all of those choices, all of those mistakes that we made that took us away from God's kingdom. And he, he took them off of our shoulders. He took them onto himself, and he paid the price for them, right? So that we could be made new in God. It's just like that really beautiful piece of stained glass right behind us, Right? That beautiful stained glass, it's made up of all of these chips and pieces of glass, right? That kind of looks like like if you break a bowl at home, right? And it just shatters into a million pieces. It looks like it's over with. But if there's a master craftsman around, they can put them back together and make them into a new piece of art, right? Just like that piece of stained glass. And that's exactly what God does with our lives. He takes all of those broken parts of us and he molds them back together into something completely beautiful and new. And I want you guys to remember that as you go out from this place this week, as we listen to the passage from Isaiah and the promises of the kingdom that Jesus brought to us. Let's think about how God can take apart our lives and put them back together in a way we never, ever imagined, just like that pretty piece of stained glass. Will you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Bow your heads, fold your hands, close your eyes, and say, Dear God, we thank you for your promise of a new life in you. Bind up the pieces of our hearts and mold them to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's great to see all of you here on this beautiful morning, right? What a beautiful morning. And the early mornings have been good lately too, huh? They've been clear. You can see the stars. You know, uh, such as you can in a place like this with as much light as around, it's really been great. Of course, my first rainbow, as usual, is to is a rainbow to see all of you here on this beautiful morning. Praise the Lord. Things are pretty wonderful as far as I'm concerned. 
Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this gorgeous day and a string of gorgeous days. Let us often remember how blessed we are. And let us use our blessings to bless others. Lord, we lift up those who need healing in their bodies, their minds, or their souls. We lift up those anywhere who don't have the basic necessities of life. Show us what we can do to help them. Lord, we lift up those anywhere, anywhere in the world where there is violence. We pray for peace and harmony among your children. Lord, we lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will. Lord, we, we ask that you would open our ears and our understanding as we hear your word this morning. Let your words become alive in us that we may become more alive in this world to spread your truth, your mercy, and your goodness as your son did. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning we are, at least for the time being, finishing up our series on the prophets. And we will be starting something new next month which won't be long, right? It'll be next month on Friday, October already, the last quarter of the year. Wow, wow. Most of you are probably quite a bit more familiar than, with Isaiah than perhaps any of the other prophets that we've talked about so far. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Isaiah because I know that a good number of you or Isaiah biographically, I guess is what I should say, because I know a good number of you are currently in a Isaiah study, so you probably know more about Isaiah than I do, right? But Isaiah was, as Jesse said in the children's sermon, he was a prophet in Judah, as many of the prophets we've talked about are, and Isaiah prophesied for approximately 40 years from around 740 to the maybe 698 or something like that, uh, that time frame, the last part of the 8th century, uh, the first, uh, first couple of years maybe of the 7th century before Jesus. And Isaiah is, again, to one of the, one of the major prophets we quote Isaiah often. We will, in fact, the 
the verses that I'm going to read this morning, we typically read in year B at Advent, right? That's Mark's year. So we read Isaiah. We also we, we read Isaiah in years A and C as well. This morning we're going to read from Isaiah 61, the first four verses. Consider the word of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to, build, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display His glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. O Holy One of Israel, Creator of heaven and earth, let us hear and follow your word today. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So, Isaiah, and you can see it particularly in this verse, is talking to the people of Judah, and he's telling them again, as we've talked about a lot of other prophets, because again, what, what's a prophet's main job? To point people back to God, right? To point people back to God, because, because uh, generally our, our main problem is we don't stay focused on God, right? So we have prophets to point us back toward God. And to remember that God is sovereign and we are the sheep of his pasture, as it tells us in other places. So Isaiah was talking to the people of Judah about the time that the people of Israel went into bondage and the people of Judah hadn't yet. And he said, you know, there's going to be judgment. But the good news is there's hope. God's going to rebuild things. God's going to restore things. God's going to make things as good as they were, if not better than they were before. I think we always need to go back to the beginning. 
And God made everything good. And he made us very good, it says, right? He made us very good. When God looked around and saw all that he'd created. God took chaos. His spirit hovered over the waters and he turned chaos into something beautiful. That's what Isaiah's talking about here, too. At the end of it, he's talking about the, de the devastation of the cities, the ruins, the, the destruction that has been brought by us, my people, but God's going to restore it. God's going to rebuild it. God's going to make it better than before. Now, as Roy read... This was the verse that Jesus chose to start out his ministry with. We could say that this was, this was Jesus' uh, job description or his mission statement, right? Those are, were popular several years back. I don't know about these days about anybody of job descriptions or mission statements. But this was Jesus's, and he opened up the scroll of Isaiah and read at that particular point. Now here's what I want us to get a hold of this morning. If we don't get a hold of anything else is that our job description is the same as Jesus' job description was with the exception of the fact that we can't die for anybody else's sins and save the world. But we can do the things that we are called to do to bring the kingdom of God about to all the people of this generation, which is what Jesus did. And all of us, there may be some of us in here who aren't, but all of us who are baptized believers, right? When we got baptized or confirmed, one or the other, we said what? It, it, one of the questions is, is, do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil and oppression wherever they find themselves, right? We are in that business. We have, again, the same, the same job description that Jesus had. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Isaiah in chapter 44 said, the Spirit of the Lord is on my descendants, right? My descendants. And we are Jesus' descendants spiritually. We are his descendants. So again, our job description is the same as his. Now, I'm not going to pick out every particular piece that Isaiah put here or that Jesus put. Jesus didn't either when he talked to him there in, uh, in Luke. And remember, they were pretty happy as long as he was reading the Scripture. And then when he pointed out to them how rotten they really were, they were ready to stone him, right? They were going to throw him off the side of the, throw him off the, side of the hill and, uh, and, and stone him. So... But it starts out there saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me, right? He has called me to proclaim good news 
to the oppressed, right? Liberty to the captives, those that are imprisoned, right? To set them free, to set them free. That's the first thing God has sent Jesus and us and Isaiah to do. Now, what is the good news? Y'all all know the good news, but I'll, but I'll tell you again, you know, the good news is that the kingdom of God is available right now, today, to anybody by trusting Jesus and following him. It's that simple. It really is. That's the good news. That's the good news that we are to proclaim. That we are to proclaim that's the good news that Jesus proclaimed, right? And just like, notice, notice what Jesus did. Notice what Jesus did. He said, what? Today, this has come true in your hearing, right? The same is true for us today. Today, it's come true in our hearing, right? 2 Corinthians 6 2, 2 Corinthians 6 2, 2 Corinthians 6 2, right? 2 Corinthians 6 2, you know? Learn it, live it, breathe it, okay? Today is the day of salvation, right? Today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow, it's not yesterday, it's today, it's right now, all the time, okay? God is present, God is with us. God's power is working through us all the time, all the time. That's good news. That's good news. And that's what we're supposed to tell everybody else, okay? So repeat after me, okay? God has sent me to proclaim good news. Amen, amen. God has. And then Isaiah goes on. He says here, He has sent me to what? Give a mantle of praise. A mantle of praise, you know, instead of a faint spirit. Okay? Now I tell you, this is something I, I, I work on. I work on. I won't, you know, I'd be, I'd be a hypocrite and a liar, and I may be a hypocrite and a liar anyway, but I'd definitely be a hypocrite and a liar, you know, if I didn't say this was something for me to work on. To really stay as our homework for the month, right? Our homework for the month, and I know at least one person in here has read it because they told me, you know, has been doing it every day because they told me so before service today. You know, Philippians 4, 4 through 8, right? Rejoice always, right? Rejoice in the Lord always, right? Now, how many of you, maybe, maybe it happened just this morning, right? Maybe you came in and somebody said to you, you know, how's it going or something like that. And they said, well, the traffic was terrible. Or uh, my dog threw up last night or something else, right? And we, and we buy into that garbage, right? And we, and we go along, you know. you know. Yeah, 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 these things happen. These things happen in our lives. 
But we're called to rejoice. We're called to give a mantle of praise. Praise the Lord. Thanksgiving. We're called to give a mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, right? We're called to be Tigger, not Eeyore, okay? In, in other words, right? Tigger's always bouncing around. A Tigger's a wonderful thing. And good old Eeyore, right? Well, this bell looks pretty good, but I think there's a spot on it, you know, or whatever, you know? That's the way we're supposed to be. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, if there's anything with excellence in it, that's what we're supposed to think about, right? That's what we're supposed to think about, and that's what we're supposed to tell other people, right? That's what we're supposed to tell other people when we see them. When you're standing there in in the grocery store line, right? Turn around and talk to the person behind you, right? Talk to the checker. Talk to the person in front of you. You know, ask them how it's going. When you, when you interact with people, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. You can't, you can't proclaim the good news. You can't give a mantle of praise if you're just a turtle with your head inside your shell, right? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We have to, we have to get out there and do it. We have to, you know, y'all have heard me say this before. You'll probably hear me say it again because we learn by repetition and, th- and some things are just stuck in my head, right? But we really are called to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and say goodbye to Mr. In-Between. We really are. We're called to do that. We're called to do that. Again, what did, what did God do at the, at the end of the sixth day, right? God looked around and said, everything is very good, right? Very good. That's accentuating the positive, right? And eliminating the negative. Now, some of you may not think that saying goodbye to Mr. In-Between is scriptural. And I'm here to correct you, Okay. If you'll open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, it say something like this. It says something like this. You are neither hot nor cold. You're neither cold nor hot. And then verse 16 goes on to say, I'm going to spit you out, spew you out, whatever translation you have, because you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold, right? So that's Mr. In-Between. Say goodbye to that guy, okay? And stick with the positive. Stick with the affirmative. That's what we're called to do, okay? So say that after me. He has sent me to give a mantle of praise and not a faint spirit. Amen. Amen. That's what we're sent to do. That's what we're called to do. And then, and here again, lest you think I'm straying when we talk about, had I gone on, returning to the garden or or putting things back as God intended in the first place. There was a verse I read about there in Isaiah about planting the oaks, right? Planting the oaks, Again, replanting, replanting the garden, 
redoing it. And then Isaiah says that those of us who are sent, when we go out and do what we are sent, there are going to be other people that catch on and, and get into this deal and get caught up in it. And when they do, and when, and when we're doing what we're supposed to do, we're rebuilding things, right? We're rebuilding the walls. We're rebuilding the devastated cities, right? Of course, we don't have any devastated cities today, do we? You know, so there's so we could, you know, we could probably slack off on that one, right? But no, we look around us, and there's all sorts of devastation going on, and all sorts of things that need to be done. How can we really put this into practice? I look, I look all the time, and I think all the time about ways that I can help others be better followers of Jesus. Because after all, that's what we're supposed to do, right? That, that again, that's, what, that's the, the, last, the last thing there in Matthew. Matthew 28, 19, 20, right? You know, we're supposed to make disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them everything that Jesus taught us to do. And the end of that, is still really the most important part of that for us to remember because it still has to do with that proclaiming of the good news and all that that we're supposed to do. Jesus said what? I will be with you. I will be with you to the end of the age when you do this. Okay? When you do this. That's where we get that freedom and that power that we talked about when we got baptized and we're supposed to go out in the world and do all this sort of stuff. Here's what you can do. Pretend like this is God's house. Because it is God's house. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the world that we live in. And you're a servant in that house, right? Another one of the great themes of Isaiah is about Jesus being the suffering servant, right? He's the servant. And as we're called to do these other things, we are also called to be servants in God's house. Treat everybody. Treat everybody with hospitality, with kindness, with love, just like you would a visitor in your own house, right? Just like you would a visitor in your own house when you see somebody. Everybody you see is a visitor in God's house. And you might think, well, that's a stretch. I was praying about this earlier this week. And the Lord showed me something that God will do for all of us if we, what, what did Jesus say? If your child asks for a fish, you won't give him a snake, right? right? And he was, of course, making reference to God and, and talking about God. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus got separated from the group? that went to Jerusalem, right? And Mary and Joseph have a conniption fit, and they freak out wondering where Jesus is, right? When they found him, what did he say? What did he say? He said, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Now, now, think about that. 
Think about that. I must be in my Father's house. I don't think Jesus was talking about just being in the temple at that particular time. I don't think that at all. I did for many years and all that. But if you, if, if you look at that, if you look at that, the next verse says they didn't understand what he was talking about. Now, it seems to me if it simply had to do with him being in the temple and that being his father's house, they would have thought, well, that's okay. But I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that. Again, I think it ties in with Jesus being with us till the end of the age. I think about all of creation as being God's house, as God's house. And Jesus is here, and Jesus is here with us. Now, we're supposed to rebuild. Now, they're devastated places. They're devastated people. We see a lot of activity in the world. We hear a lot about, well, we need to fix the system, right? Or words to that effect. We have, we have things in our system that are wrong. And that can be all kinds of systems. It might, be the, it might be the overall systems we're talking about in our country. It might be systems in our churches. It might be systems at our work. But see, here's the deal. And we miss it. We miss it every time we start trying to tweak the system. Systematic changes do not transform people. We're the same as the people that were running around following Jesus, right? Nothing's changed as far as our personalities and our psyches and all of that goes. We're the same. But transformed people, transformed people change the world, right? You don't really hear Jesus saying, well, you know, y'all have got it wrong because the whole worship system here in the temple is goofed up. No. You hear him talking about individuals that have gone astray from God's plan. That's what you hear him talking about. If you change the person, the system changes. And that's part of the good news, too. Or that is the good news. When the person realizes the kingdom of heaven and the person transmits that realization of the kingdom of heaven onto the next person and the next person and the next person, then the kingdom of heaven becomes manifest. It happens. I saw something just the other night that really encouraged me. And that was our Thursday evening fellowship dinner. I know some of you were there. I wish all of you had been there. That is rebuilding. That is repairing. That is making all things new. Things like that. Now, it's just an example. That's, there, there are many other things we need to do. But again, I saw transform people helping other people, among other things. It wasn't just a social event, per se.
There was a beautiful thing going on there. We all, as servants in God's house, have the ability to spend our time and talents, at least a portion of our time and talents. You know, at least, at least we, the least we can do is to tithe our time and talents, right? And we all have them. There's something each and every one of us can do. Each and every one of us can restore the devastated cities. So say that with me, or after me, please. He has sent me to restore the devastated cities. Okay. So he sent us to proclaim good news. He sent us to give people a mantle of praise. And he sent us to restore devastated cities. Let's do it. Go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.